from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. It's good to have you with us on this Thursday edition of Washington Watch. Today is the National Day of Prayer, and a day of prayer for our nation could not have come at a more appropriate time. It's not just an attack against the independence of the judiciary. This risks violence against members of the Supreme Court and their families. That was Texas Senator John Cornyn on Capitol Hill earlier today discussing the leaked opinion from the Supreme Court and the risk that it puts the Supreme Court justices at. A little later, we'll get a report from Washington Watch reporter Marjorie Jackson, who has been at the U.S. Supreme Court today, as hundreds, hundreds of people have been there today, either to protest or to pray on this National Day of Prayer. In the wake of the draft Supreme Court opinion overturning Roe v. Wade being leaked, the Biden administration is circling the wagons when it comes to abortion. What we're looking at is how to ensure we're expanding access, how to ensure we are taking a look at the enormous impact on uh, on a specific portion of the population. Um, and this is in a cross-government effort. That was White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. And Psaki, as she said, is not alone. And what the left sees is a five-alarm fire to their concocted right to abortion. So at HHS, we will double down on our authorities to protect every American's right and access to reproductive health care, including abortion. That was Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra before the Senate Appropriations Committee. We'll talk with the chair of the House Values Action Team, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, about how conservatives are responding to this moment. And members of the Biden administration are privately admitting, according to news reports, a major obstacle in their desire to double down and expand abortion is this, a red wall of Republican attorneys general ready to sue the administration for their overreach. We'll talk with the Solicitor General of Louisiana, Liz Morrell, who argued for Louisiana's pro-life laws before the U.S. Supreme Court. And yesterday, shortly after Oklahoma Senator James Lankford was on Washington Watch, he went to the Senate floor and successfully pushed a provision that addresses the growing threat of the alliance between Iran and China. This particular motion to instruct goes straight at this illicit activity from Iran that's facilitating the terror activities and also addresses the designation that Iran is asking if they're going to negotiate with the Biden administration on the Iran nuclear deal. We'll talk more about this and get the latest on the ongoing war in Ukraine in just a moment when we're joined by Florida Congressman Mike Waltz, a member of the House Armed Services Committee. And later, I'll have a very special guest, so you want to stick around for the entire program. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you do happen to miss anything, you can find it all there, archived at TonyPerkins.com. Our verse for today comes from Judges chapter 10, verse 16, and it reads this way. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and his, being God's soul, no longer could endure the misery of Israel, end quote. You know, remorse comes from the consequences of our sin. Repentance is actually turning away from that sin, but it's the mercy that comes when we repent. If you've not already joined us in our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, I invite you to join us. You can go to frc.org Bible to find out more about the reading plan. You can also join me Monday through Friday for a brief devotional based upon the daily reading plan. The devotional can be found at the bottom of the page at TonyPerkins.com or posted each morning on my Facebook page. 
Well, yesterday, the U.S. State Department said it remains uncertain and unclear if indirect negotiations between the United States and Iran will be able to revive the 2015 nuclear agreement, known formally as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or the JCPOA. So the U.S. is preparing for either scenario. Because the JCPOA, a mutual return to compliance with the JCPOA, uh, is very much an uncertain proposition, we are now preparing equally uh, for either scenario. Also yesterday, as I mentioned, the U.S. Senate voted 62 to 33 in favor of a non-binding motion that opposes entering into a nuclear deal with Iran that ignores their past behavior and their present intentions. So what does all that mean to us? Well, joining me now to talk about it and uh, talk about a lot more is Congressman Mike Waltz. He's a member of the House Armed Services Committee and a decorated special forces officer. He serves as the Congressional representative for the 6th Congressional District of Florida. Congressman Waltz, welcome back to the program. Hey, good to see you, Tony. So let me first, uh, your thoughts on yesterday's, it's a non-binding motion from the Senate, but Senator Langford successfully uh, has instructed the committee to address this issue of what Iran's been up to, and uh, and there's discussion about their um, relationship with China and that growing alliance. Well, I think there's a couple of th key things to pull from uh, Senator Langford's uh, uh, motion there. Number one, the number of Democrats and an independent on it. Uh, so this has, you know, opposition to this bad deal uh, has been bipartisan, has been bipartisan for some time. Last year, I led a letter uh, that had over 70 House Democrats on it uh, that said any future deal should not only address Iran enriching material, but also its missile program, its uh, support of terrorism, uh, and the fact that uh, they're holding Americans hostage right now as we speak. And on top of that, that any future, uh, any future uh, sanctions relief should be coupled with much deeper uh, inspections than you had in the Iran deal. And then finally, Tony, uh, Senator Menendez, Democrat uh, senator from New Jersey, the head of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate, has also said, no deal is better than a bad deal. This administration has crafted a false choice. Either you enter into even a worse deal than, than the JCPOA or Iran gets a nuke. Uh, and there are a lot of other options. Americans should care because if Iran gets a nuke, number one, they're openly threatening Israel. And number two, the entire Middle East will explode into a nuclear arms race with the Saudis wanting nukes, the Emiratis and the Turks also uh, wanting nukes, and that should be scary for everyone. And, and so we don't really have to venture very far to see how those might be used. I mean, we see what's happening right now with Russia and Ukraine, where, you know, if the, if the West says anything or moves too rapidly, Russia starts rattling the nuclear saber saying, you know, we, 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 this could end up in a nuclear war. I mean, just think if the Middle East is covered with nuclear weapons. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Tony. And I mean, as bad and horrific as Putin is, uh, I would still even put him in a different category than the Ayatollahs in Iran, uh, which which absolutely are Islamic uh, Shia extremists, openly talk about the wiping Israel off the face of the earth, uh, have attacked uh, just as recently as a few months ago, uh, energy supplies in both the Gulf and in Saudi Arabia. And then if they can do that under a nuclear umbrella, uh, and they can escalate in order to get us to back down, uh, that, that puts a world in an incredibly unstable uh, position that will 
affect every American. So, Congressman Waltz, with the State Department now saying they're preparing equally for either scenario, either to go forward with the agreement or not to get an agreement, do you think the deal is falling apart? Well, I think the deal is falling apart over the uh, over a number of things. But one is the terrorism designation uh, to lift uh, Iran as a terrorist organization, particularly its Iranian, uh, the IRGC, the Iranian Guards Force. Uh, it, look, they have alone 600 American soldiers' blood on their hands. Uh, and they're, as you've seen, bipartisan opposition uh, to stopping that. So that's one point. And then the other point, Tony, is we've let the Russians and the Chinese uh, craft this deal because the Iranians won't even speak to our negotiators. So it's in a bad place. And what we what I want to be hearing from Congress, what is the administration's plan B? They should have kept President Trump's maximum pressure uh, campaign in place. Had they done so, the Iranians would have uh, come to us from a position of weakness. And and Congressman Waltz, from my vantage point here in D.C., which is just slightly different than yours, but we see a lot of the same things. The political capital that the Biden administration had has been completely expended. I mean, I I don't you see Democrats actually running from them based upon how poorly they've executed both on their foreign agenda and their domestic agenda. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And you just saw, you know, the Ohio primaries yesterday and the Democrat uh, nominee for uh, for Senate for Ohio refused to say whether he would have Biden campaign with him. Meanwhile, you have J.D. Vance uh, openly embracing the America First agenda. So you're right; uh, they're they're running to the hills, uh, and it's quite coincidental. We have this uh, unprecedented and tragic leak from the Supreme Court to try to divert Americans' attention and remobilize the uh, the left. But uh, but the, the agenda has absolutely failed. Uh, will continue to fail. Socialism has always failed domestically, and appeasement has always failed in terms of foreign policy. Sadly, we have a, a lethal combination of both right now. I, I want to get to to one of their uh, a leak or a revelation on what part of their domestic agenda, but I, I want to first ask you about Ukraine intensifying Mariupol, the, the battle raging there. What's your sense right now with what's happening in Ukraine? Well, God bless those uh, th- those Ukrainian Marines uh, that are literally fighting to the death. It is their Alamo, uh, but they are taking nearly 12 battalions of Russians with them that they've tied down at that steel plant that haven't been free uh, to, to attack the rest of the Ukrainian army. Uh, my heart breaks for the civilians. Uh, it, it's, it is hell on earth. Uh, from all of the reporting that I've seen in Mariupol. Uh, The rest of the Russian offensive, even though it regrouped under a new chain of command uh, and consolidated, is still struggling. Uh, This is basically a war of attrition now. You just had Speaker Pelosi there. My question is, why is the House out of session? The Senate's in session. The House is not. She's talking tough about supporting Zelensky. Call us back in and let's vote on the next supplemental and get them the arms they need, not to go to a tie, Tony, because right. that's been the administration's policy, has helped them get to the negotiating table. No, let's help them win right. and drive Russia from Ukrainian soil and deal a devastating de- defeat to a, to what is an atrocious dictator in Vladimir Putin. Yeah, we shouldn't play not to lose. We should play to win. Uh, very quickly, a breaking story yesterday. The CDC has been using phone tracking data to monitor Americans during the pandemic, 
seeing if they violated curfews by going to schools and churches. This was without any congressional oversight, judicial oversight. I mean, this is deep state, big brother. uh, And we're talking this, of course, the backdrop of this revelation is the ministry of disinformation that they're proposing at the Homeland Security. Yeah, that's right, Tony. And, and, and just to be brief, the other backdrop here is big tech. Uh, and Americans, uh, you know, people concerned about their privacy need to wake up uh, to how much data is being collected. Every one of those apps that are free, uh, they're making money by selling your data. Uh, that's, that's just the bottom line. And, uh, and then, you know, you couple that with we still haven't even had an investigation in the origins uh, the, the last three pandemics have come from China. We expect the next one, too, and everyone has been more lethal than the last. All of these things we have to get to the bottom of when we flip the house come this November. Absolutely. There's going to be, there's going to be a traffic jam of investigations that are going to be going forward. Congressman, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. The COVID origins. The- yeah. Congressman Mike Waltz of, uh, of Florida. By the way, uh, day before yesterday, the CDC uh, re-upped their recommendation for mask uh, for travel, airlines, uh, any type of public transportation. Of course, uh, it's been stayed by the court in Florida. They've, they're appealing that. So there's, uh, they're not backing off of their mandates. All right, coming up, the left has launched intimidation campaigns against the U.S. Supreme Court justices over the potential decision that would overturn Roe v. Wade. What are they doing? And what are we to make of all of this? We're going to talk with Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler after the break. So don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, It is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's Word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. 
At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Leftist activists are planning to demonstrate at churches this Sunday. That's right, Mother's Day. And they're protesting, really, I guess, out of anger over the leaked draft opinion from the Supreme Court that would overturn Roe v. Wade. They're, uh, they're sending, uh, they're also sending protesters to the homes of six conservative Supreme Court justices insisting that they, quote, must rise up to force accountability using a diversity of tactics, end quote. Already, some Supreme Court justices have had to cancel scheduled public appearances following the leak of this draft opinion uh, because of security concerns. And yesterday, U.S. Senator John Cornyn of Texas introduced the Supreme Court Police Parity Act, which would allow Supreme Court police security to provide security for the families of justices uh, as well as the justices themselves. So what, what are we to make of all of this as we see how the left is responding? How are those on the right responding? With me now to talk about this and more is Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. She serves on two committees in the House, including the Armed Services Committee. She represents the 4th Congressional District of Missouri. Congresswoman Hartzler, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be here. So let me just ask you, what, what's your reaction to the left's intimidation campaign that's underway? It's despicable and it's evil. Uh, you know, they it is sacrosanct what we have at the Supreme Court and for forever. We have had this trust where the decisions aren't made until the last minute and then they are finalized and to have this leak happen and then it's, it's a pure intimidation tactic. It's just deplorable. Uh, you know, and I think it's ironic that they are going to be protesting on Mother's Day in front of churches when really that's what this is all about. These aren't just women who are pregnant. They are expectant mothers, and that baby should have the opportunity to live, and the women, the mothers, should have support. And that's what the pro-life movement is for. It is for uh, speaking up for the unborn babies that have a potential and have a plan and that from God. But it's also supporting those expectant mothers throughout that process, whether they go on and parent the child themselves or whether they consider allowing another couple to be able to give them a forever home. Uh, that's what we're fighting for. And it's ironic that they would be trying to protest that on Mother's Day. They're really protesting motherhood. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if they missed the irony in this or not, but I would encourage churches, you know, invite them in. At a minimum, have speakers outside. So if they're outside protesting, let them hear the service, uh, because I'm sure there's going to be some great messages preached about motherhood. 
And this really, as you said, is what it's about. It's about this is about mothers and it's about children. It's not just about this is not a political issue. And I think you and I have talked about this before. It's so evident what we see. It's happening at the Supreme Court. What is uh, these threats that are being made that this is not a political or policy issue. This at its heart is a spiritual issue. This is about life and death. And America stands at a very pivotal moment, whether we'll choose life or we'll choose death. Yes, and and I'm so hopeful that the Supreme Court decision will end up becoming the final decision where they overturn an egregious decision that was made back in the 70s, which took away the ability for elected representatives to weigh in on this and made abortion legal across the land. And I hope that this will be finalized, that our justices will not be intimidated and that they will go ahead and stand strong for the Constitution as well as for life. I want to switch gears for just a moment because an issue that you have been very outspoken on is this whole transgender confusion that's being pushed by this administration. And I know the uh, the House is back in their district this week for district work week, but the Senate is here. And yesterday, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra, testified at the Senate Appropriations Committee hearing and was pressed by Republican Senator Mike Braun of Indiana on the Biden administration's endorsement of gender quote-unquote, gender-affirming care for minors. Uh, Play clip uh, number three, please. Kids going through this are having a hard time. We should be maybe focusing more on mental health and not things that are irreversible. Of course, Secretary Becerra disagreed with that, uh, pushing that we need to allow these minors to make these decisions based on their consultation with their doctors, not their parents, but their doctors. Your response? Oh, this is deplorable. It's unbelievable. Uh, This is child abuse. This is sanctioned child abuse. You know, the statistics show that 98% of these children who are confused about their identity end up settling in their biological sex. And it doesn't help their mental health just to get the uh, gender uh, transition surgeries. We know that there's just as many uh, suicides on the backside of that as there are before. It doesn't solve the problem. These children need to be supported. They need to be loved. If they need some counseling, perhaps that should be given as well. But you don't allow them to make these life-changing surgical decisions when they're so young. This is just wrong, and it's not gender-affirming. It's not health. It is dangerous, and it is damaging to these young people. I'm a former teacher. I'm a former track coach. I'm a mom. I mean, we need to stand up for these kids and protect them from these adults who think they know what they're doing and being compassionate, but they are damaging these individuals for the rest of their lives. And I think in some cases, they're actually using these children to advance their own political agenda. And during this exchange, Secretary Becerra also seemed to say that the FDA approval wasn't necessary for the off-the-label usage of these hormone blockers for the gender transition in minors. I mean, is this the Biden administration following the science by just doing whatever they want? They're following the political science. That's all they're following. And they're endangering children's lives as a result of it. No one would agree, no parent should agree, to allow their child to receive these drugs that haven't even been tested or approved for these uses. And yet they're willing to look the other way when it comes to uh, this issue because it fits their political agenda. And they don't have the courage to stand up and to say, no, this isn't good for you. There's a better way. 
uh, and we're going to support these children and help them through this difficult time in their life. We're not going to allow them to have this uh, surgery that's going to impact them for the rest of their lives. Well, I'm grateful that we have leaders like you, Vicki, that are willing to stand up, that have the courage to stand up and say, no, this is not the right way forward. And by the way, uh, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great weekend. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler of Missouri, a great lady. She, as I mentioned, serves as chair of the Values Action Team, worked very closely with her on all the values issues. Coming up, the Biden administration is planning for a all-hands-on-deck response to the potential overruling of Roe v. Wade. But there's a problem. They're running into a red wall of opposition, the attorneys general of the states. We're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go away. More Washington Watch still to come. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. So good to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon. According to the Washington Post, the Biden administration is in a real tizzy uh, over the leaked Supreme Court draft opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade. There's been uh, nonstop meetings, apparently, conversations about what they could do to expand abortion into red states. Um, And I just quote from the article, a lot of the Biden administration, uh, what they could do, according to some experts, is nothing more than window dressing. They're debating a number of executive and regulatory actions the administration could take to make it easier for women in red states, particularly poor women, to have access to abortion. 
Officials privately recognize that nearly any administrative action would face legal challenges. They realize they're going to run into a red wall of opposition. Republican attorneys general who have already shown in the last 15 months that they are ready to defend the Constitution and take this administration to court when they overstep their bounds. Joining me now to talk about this is uh, one of the state officials who has been doing just that, Louisiana Solicitor General Liz Morrell, who argued before the Supreme Court in defense of one of Louisiana's pro-life laws. Liz, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. It's good to be here. So it looks like uh, Republican attorneys general have been successful in making very clear that they stand ready to challenge this administration anytime they overstep their bounds. We, we have been. We've been monitoring what the administration's been doing from the time they took office. I mean, it just waiting for this opinion has not been the beginning of our work. We've been working to overturn Roe for years, and we've been monitoring the Biden administration since the day the president was sworn into office. So there really is not much that the Biden administration could do because, you know, quite frankly, the Democrats, those on the left, have allowed the court to do all of their policy work when it comes to abortion over the years. And now that the court has been shifted to one that adheres to the Constitution, their house of cards is falling. And they're limited in what they can pull out of their uh, administrative trick book to try to force this on the states. Well, that's right. I mean, the, the, the whole point of the draft opinion that we saw is to acknowledge that Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided, that it was egregiously wrong from the beginning, and that this will return power to the states so that the states can regulate as the people deem appropriate in their states. So... You know, I think that the administration is attempting to subvert the constitutional the, and the Constitution itself. Uh, Liz, what do you think they might do? What, what um, actions might the Biden administration take? Well, we know that they have attempted in the past to try and use the Medicaid Act to force states to pay for abortions. Um, we've seen recent actions with the budget where the this administration has tried to use reconciliation to also force this issue. Uh, we, we could see rulemaking. I, I you know, we're, we constantly monitor the federal register to see what's happening um, in the federal government and what kind of tricks they're trying to basically play with rulemaking. Uh, we saw, you know, emergency rules come down with vaccine mandates, and those were very concerning, the use of the, the emergency rule process through the Center for Medicaid Services to pass rules that subverted state police powers. So I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see the administration try to do some things like that again. Now, Liz, from the standpoint of conservative states, red states like our state, Louisiana is still my home state, when and if Roe is overturned, and we certainly anticipate with this draft opinion that it's not going to deviate much, the work really just begins. That's not the end of the battle for the sanctity of human life. What's next? You know, Tony, I think that what's next is that we have to make good on our promise to take care of women and the unborn. And, and to me, that's the most important thing. 
that we need to be focusing on is how to how to I mean that's the way that we're going to continue to change people's minds and change their hearts about abortion is to take care of women and to promote adoption and to help provide services and support for pregnant women so that they won't need this um, terrible to, to ever be put to this terrible choice. So I, I think that that's the job that we have before us is to make good on the promise that we've made that we take care of both. I think you're absolutely right. And we're seeing states already step up and do that as our neighbor in Mississippi governor there signing a measure that uh, allows people to direct their uh, tax money to the care pregnancy centers to uh, to expand their work in the state of Mississippi. Certainly something Louisiana consider as well. Liz Morrell, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for your work uh, in Louisiana and beyond in defending the unborn. Thank you for having me, Tony. And folks, Liz is absolutely right. Um, there, 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 is, there are several elements of what's next. There is the the legal policy element uh, that's going to have to be taken care of at the state level. I mean, this the left is spinning this to say that abortion now is outlawed in the country, as we talked about yesterday. That's not the case. It's actually putting it back into the legislative process at the state where it belongs. Now, it is true that over half the states already have in place measures that will outlaw abortion, and I hope more will. In fact, I'd love to see all 50 states do it, but it's going to take work. And so policymakers have to do that but we have to continue and expand our outreach to mothers, to even young men, and of course, spend expanding adoption for those children that now will be brought to life. And so a lot of work to be done by churches, nonprofits, and just everyday moms and dads. And speaking of moms and dads, this weekend is Mom's Day. We're going to talk about that next after the break. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. 
to access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. I'm Tony Perkins, and you are tuned in to Washington Watch. The website's TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned earlier today, Washington Watch reporter Marjorie Jackson was at the Supreme Court as hundreds gathered, many to protest, others to pray on this National Day of Prayer. Today is the first Thursday in May, which means it is the National Day of Prayer, an event that has been happening annually ever since President Harry Truman signed it into law in the 1950s. It's a day set aside for Christians to gather in town halls and in churches to intentionally pray for our nation. Now, this could not have come at a more better time since on Monday, the majority opinion draft document was leaked. And ever since then, there has been uh, chaos ensuing in Washington, D.C., and a large reaction across the nation. In fact, events are anticipated to escalate. As you can see, there is a fence placed around the Supreme Court to prepare for possible protests and riots this weekend. And next week, there are even protests scheduled outside of five of the Supreme Court justices' homes. This is definitely a time where many Americans are coming even to the Supreme Court to be down on their their knees in prayer for the United States and for the lives of the unborn. Joining me now is FRC's National Prayer Director, Pastor Jay Johnston. Pastor Johnston, I know that you've been involved in so many different national days of prayer. What makes this year different? Yeah, Marjorie, it's first of all, it's a, it is a great day uh, to pray. Uh, the theme this year is exalt the Lord and with the breaking news this week, um, while it's not official, there's that expectancy as we've prayed many times to repent from the decision of Roe versus Wade. God's at work in our land, and I'm just so grateful that today we have people just like we have here, right behind us here at the Supreme Court praying. They're all over the country praying. They're praying in schools. They're praying in ballparks. They're praying at churches. They're praying in businesses. And so it's just that expectancy that God is at work. He's alive. And, and it's just a great day to pray. 
Thank you, Pastor. This National Day of Prayer, we invite you to pray with us, to pray alongside thousands of Americans who will be down on their knees on behalf of the lives of the unborn, on behalf of the safety and the boldness of the Supreme Court justices in overturning Roe versus Wade, on behalf of American families, and on behalf of our country in these uncertain yet hopeful times. And I certainly want to uh, encourage you to join in that effort to pray. Tonight, uh, all across America, there'll be National Day of Prayer events. They're occurring during the day today. Also, there'll be a national broadcast. You can find out more. Go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. Uh, We need to be praying. In fact, I I would challenge pastors this Sunday on this Mother's Day to be praying, praying for our nation, praying for the court, praying for their safety, and praying for healing of our nation. Again, as I was talking with Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler earlier, the timing of this, this leaked document, this focus on life leading up to Mother's Day, uh, you can't miss this. It is so clear. This is what we're talking about. Mothers, children, life. That's the choice that's before us. And I don't want us to miss the fact that this is Mother's Day weekend, and as I mentioned earlier in the program, I've got a special guest that I want to introduce to you. But before I do, I I want to share just a a passage of Scripture, verse out of Proverbs 31. You know this is the Proverbs 31 woman, but I think it speaks to motherhood, and I'm so grateful that I have a a godly mother, a wonderful mother who has taken care of me, uh, still continues to take care of me. Uh, She makes sure my hair is always in place. Uh, she has uh, been a beautician for about 70 years, uh, but I, I, I also am blessed to have a wonderful wife. And Proverbs 31 says, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. And joining me now to talk about Mother's Day, talk about this decision by the court and what it means, is my wife of 36 years and the mother of our five children, Luana Perkins. Luana, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I, I want to talk. I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about this Mother's Day, and and you know we're kind of on the other end of the journey. We still have we still have someone. We have one under the age of eighteen. Most of our kids are now older; they're adults. And so uh, there's a lot of young mothers that are just embarking upon this journey of of motherhood. What uh, what would you share with them? Well, um, I think the first thing that I would say to young mothers is that this too shall pass. Um, you know, it's a journey, and um, there are highs and there are lows, but more than anything, um, you know, we've we've been parents now for thirty years, and um, when I look back over those 30 years, I would say there's joy. There's just been joy in the journey. Um, again, everything is not all roses, um, but um, to see the fruit of your labor um, has been wonderful. It really has. What would something you... else I would tell young... Oh, okay. go ahead. No, go right ahead. Well, something else I would tell young mothers is um, to stay off of social media. Um, What you see on Facebook and what you see on Instagram and Snapchat, that's not reality. 
Um, I see pictures of these moms. They're, they're so perfect and their children are perfect. But that's not reality. That's not day in and day out motherhood. And so I would say don't, don't compare yourself um, to those moms. Uh, just be who God's created you to be and let your children be who God has created them to be. You're looking back on these 30 years of uh, motherhood. What would you say would be the in the top three areas that you have that the Lord led you to focus on, or that are uh, what you did that you think are, are probably brought the greatest return as a mother? Well, the first thing um, was. I would have to say just my walk with the Lord, um, and that that's the most important thing, because if I'm not, if I didn't have a strong faith and not in the Word, um, then it's hard for me to impart that faith to my children. Um, the, the second thing I believe that has really made a difference in our family is uh, our choice to homeschool. I didn't want to do that in the beginning. Um, I thought it was weird, um, but the Lord told me um, when our oldest uh, was six to homeschool. And so that is really, I think that has been one of the best things for our family. Um, you know, I hear you say all the time on the radio that you can, you're responsible for your children. You can delegate authority, but you can't delegate responsibility. And it's so true. Um, and so just being able to be with our kids, um, teaching them, um, and imparting a biblical worldview to them through education has been, um, has been a blessing. And I think it's been one of the things that has, um, has really been, uh, good for our kids uh, and their growth and their relationship with the Lord as well. Now, homeschooling for these uh, 25 years, uh, did you ever want to quit? Um, there were days, there were weeks um, that I wanted to quit. But um, and, and some days I just said, you know, I'm done. And But we would start back the next day because it's what God had called me to do. Um, and we also have to remember anything worth doing is going to take time and effort. And, you know, maybe, maybe I don't uh, uh, do all the things that I see other ladies doing, um, going out to eat with their friends or, um, and not that I don't, but that's not my priority. My priority was teaching my kids and um, and so, yeah, let me start back over. Um, anything worth doing is is going to take a lot of time and effort. and And so often we we uh, spend a lot of time and effort with our children in other areas, like sports. I mean, my goodness, we spend uh, money and and every evening and the weekends and we teach them we try to give them all the best best tools that they can so that they can be the best best baseball player the best football player basketball player whatever 
we, we put so much time and effort into that. But uh, when it comes to the heart of our children, and, and I'm going to say, too, their, their salvation and their walk with the Lord, um, I'm so glad that we were able to put a lot of time and effort in that. Um, and our kids are doing well. Um, you know, I know that parents can do all kinds of uh, things perfect. Uh, you can be, you can do all the right things, and there sometimes your children will turn out um, and go a different, a different direction. But the chances that your children will turn out and follow the Lord are so much greater if you'll put that effort in uh, to um, to teaching them a biblical worldview. And so um, I am grateful that we had the opportunity uh, to homeschool. And I did mention that uh, no one would probably believe me, but you're a grandmother and I'm a grandfather. Uh, we saw, for those that are watching, you saw a picture that's our seven-month-old uh, grandson who uh, belongs to our oldest son and his wife, uh, Becca and David. Um, I, I want to shift gears, Luana. I would just say this. You've been a wonderful mother. It's uh, been a... a a great 36-year journey that we've had, but uh, I think you're absolutely right uh, in terms of focusing on the children, and and that's really the mother. The mother is is the adhesive, and I'm so grateful uh, that God uh, has given me a wife that has been a wonderful uh, mother. In our journey, we back probably I think uh, after our first child was born, we went to our first pro-life rally. We had not been involved with those issues before. And now we've been in this movement for probably 25 years. And to see what potentially is happening with this draft opinion of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, now that we've 25 years involved in pro-life ministry, supporting care pregnancy centers, passing pro-life laws, working collectively together, what does that mean to you personally as a mom? You know, I have a difficult time understanding how people could devote their life to working to make laws and make policies so that they could kill babies. That makes no sense to me as a mom. Um, you know, a mother's heart is to protect and uh, and to love and care and nurture, and um, so when you see some of those on the left that are just so adamant and so full of hate toward these innocent little babies, they've done nothing. They've done nothing. It makes absolutely no sense. But um, uh, we know that Satan is behind this, and um, he. Evil just doesn't stand still. You know, it, it was the preborn that they wanted to attack. And now, look, in California, they're wanting to kill babies that are already born. It doesn't make any sense from the heart of a mother um, how someone could, could do that. One of your background uh, is, before we had children, was in counseling. It's your advanced degrees in social work, and you've worked with uh, women, counseling women. How, how would you encourage a woman that is facing an unplanned pregnancy? What would you, 
that, that is in, in what we would call crisis, what would you encourage them to do? Well, the first thing I would encourage them to do is to seek the Lord. You know, we sin, we all sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God forgives. There is God's grace is there, and I would tell them that. Um, but also to know that they don't have to walk this road alone. Um, I hear uh, protests from the left saying that we're only concerned about the baby, and once the baby's saved, we're not concerned about anything else. And that's not that's just not true. It's such a lie that Satan has perpetrated. Um, but I would tell her, hey, look, I'm here for you, we're here for you, connect her to resources. The crisis pregnancy centers have just an overwhelming amount of resources uh, for people. But, um, and then I would also encourage uh, the church. The church needs to be involved with these ladies as well um, to show them how to be a mom. Maybe they didn't have a good mom, but you know that's what we need to do as as Christian women, we need to be there uh, for these women, to teach them, to show them to love on them, and show them how to love their babies. And we're going to have plenty of opportunities, Lord willing, ahead if this court opinion, uh, as it stands, is uh, released. Loana, it's not often I get to tell my guests this, but I love you. Good to see you. <laughs> I love you, too. And folks, thanks so much for joining us today for this special edition of Washington Watch. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.